Our scripture reading this morning is 2 Samuel 10, and that's found on page 307 in your pew Bibles, 2 Samuel 10. David has just shown covenant loyalty or kindness to Mephibosheth inside the kingdom of God. And now he's going to reach outside of the kingdom of God to show kindness to the Ammonites. 2 Samuel 10, and we'll read the whole chapter. After this, after Mephibosheth was brought to the temple, after this the king of the Ammonites died, and Hanun his son reigned in his place. And David said, I will deal loyally or show kindness to Hanun the son of Nahash, as his father dealt loyally with or showed kindness to me. So David sent by his servants to console him concerning his father. And David's servants came into the land of the Ammonites. But the princes of the Ammonites said to Hanan their lord, Do you think, because David has sent comforters to you, that he is honoring your father? Has not David sent his servants to you to search the city and to spy it out and to overthrow it? So Hanan took David's servants and shaved off half the beard of each and cut off their garments in the middle at their hips and sent them away. When it was told David, he sent to meet them, for the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, Remain at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. When the Ammonites saw that they had become a stench to David, the Ammonites sent and hired the Syrians of Beth Rehob and the Syrians of Zobah 20,000 foot soldiers, and the king of Maacah with 1,000 men, and the men of Tob, 12,000 men. And when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the host of the mighty men, and the Ammonites came out and drew up in battle array at the entrance of the gate, and the Syrians of Zobah and of Rehob, and the men of Tob and Maacah were by themselves in the open country. When Joab saw that the battle was set against him, both in front and in the rear, He chose some of the best men of Israel and arrayed them against the Syrians. The rest of his men he put in charge of Abishai, his brother, and he arrayed them against the Ammonites. And he said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, you shall help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. So Joab and the people who were with him drew near to battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. And when the Ammonites saw that the Syrians fled, they likewise fled before Abishai and entered the city. Then Joab returned from fighting against the Ammonites and came to Jerusalem. But when the Syrians saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they gathered themselves together, and Hadadezer sent and brought out the Syrians who were beyond the Euphrates, and they came to Helam with Shobach, the commander of the army of Hadadezer, at their head. And when it was told David, he gathered all Israel together and crossed the Jordan and came to Helam. 
The Syrians arrayed themselves against David and fought with him. And the Syrians fled before Israel. And David killed of the Syrians the men of 700 chariots and 40,000 horsemen and wounded Shobach, the commander of their army, so that he died there. And when all the kings who were servants of Hadadezer saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and became subject to them. So the Syrians were afraid to save the Ammonites anymore. This is God's word. Brothers and sisters, may he bless us by it today and all our days. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, at our VBS last year, and I bet some of our children will remember I think the girls in Kingdom Seekers have been singing this song as well. We learned a song called Jesus Strong and Kind. Maybe you heard it being played a few minutes ago. It goes like this. Jesus said that if I thirst, I should come to him. No one else can satisfy. I should come to him. Jesus said if I am weak, I should come to him. No one else can be my strength. I should come to him. For the Lord is good and faithful. He will keep us day and night. We can always run to Jesus. Jesus strong and kind. Strong and kind. And brothers and sisters, that's what makes Jesus the only king who can save you and me and the only king who can save the world is that he has the perfect balance of strength and kindness. He's strong with the strength of God because he's divine and he's kind with the kindness of God. For his heart is filled with love. He's the king everyone needs and everyone should run to. He saves, he protects, he helps, he equips. And he's the king who will one day bring you into a perfect world if you believe in him and follow him. Because he's both strong and kind. Now we tend to err either on abusing the strengths God has given us to hurt people or abusing the kindness God has given to us to cripple people and usually a combination of both and therefore not one of us can ever be the savior can ever be this king not even David but David here in this chapter and all these chapters is a picture of Jesus strong and kind And you see that kindness and strength of David really portrayed here in 2 Samuel 10. David, strong and kind. A picture of Jesus, strong and kind. And here God is inviting us, calling us again to come to him, trust in him, give our lives to him for refuge in whatever we face right now. 
David's strong and kind. He's shamed by his enemies. He's encouraged in God and he's victorious by faith. Those are the three things we see in 2 Samuel 10. He is shamed by enemies. The chapter opens with really an unusual and actually an amazing event. Verse 1, after this, after Mephibosheth was brought in by the kindness of David, the king of the Ammonites died and Hanun his son reigned in his place and David said, I will deal loyally with Hanun the son of Nahash as his father dealt loyally with me. So David sent by his servants to console or to comfort Hanun concerning his father. Now that word, I will deal loyally, is the famous Hebrew word chesed, which means to show kindness, or the word loving kindness, or covenant love, or mercy, or compassion. It's all those things. And it's the same word used in chapter 9 about David showing the kindness of God, it calls it, in 9 verse 3. The kindness of God, the chesed of God, to Mephibosheth, for Jonathan's sake. Kindness. In that chapter, David is showing kindness to the son of shame, Mephibosheth, that's what his name means, who's from the enemy house of Saul, who's living way out in Lodabar, no name, he's a thing of disgrace. And David, without Mephibosheth deserving it at all, comes to him in grace, lifts him up out of his shame, brings him to eat in the king's palace and live there as one of the king's sons. Amazing grace. That's what Jesus does to us. But chapter 10 is more amazing. Because now David goes out with the same chesed, the same kindness, covenant love, outside of the kingdom to Israel to reach out to the to a people that hates Israel and wants them shamed and dead. The Ammonites, descendants of Lot, who have this constant antipathy toward the kingdom of God. And they don't want it to exist. They want it annihilated. They want it down. They want David dead and he reaches out with kindness. It's a reminder to us how in the church, God wants us to show kindness to one another. God's kindness, the kindness that he's shown to us personally, that we share that with our brothers and sisters. Even when they don't deserve it, even when I don't deserve it. But he also wants us to break out of the boundaries of the church to show kindness to those who hate the church to our enemies to to those who are outside of the kingdom of God who have no hope and no real helper in this world in their idols their false gods what else does David do in his kindness he sends ambassadors to bring comfort there's another important Hebrew word to bring nahum pity consolation 
sympathy. To the new king of the Ammonites concerning the death of his father, Nahash. Now, remember this guy, Nahash, the snake from 1 Samuel 11? Terrible man, evil man. That he had gone to the men of Jabesh Gilead, he had besieged the city, and he forced them to make a covenant with him, and he was going to gouge out their right eyes. He wanted to shame them. He wanted to destroy the people of God, starting with Jabesh Gilead. But then Saul came with his army and brought about, by God's grace, a mighty rescue of the men of Jabesh Gilead from Nahash. But somewhere along the way, when probably when David was a fugitive, running away from Saul, Nahash helped him. And now David wants to show kindness to his son. Like Nahash showed kindness to him at some point. And so he reached out with kindness to this enemy people who were still into shaming Israel. Still were against the kingdom of God. And that's exactly how God comes to us. We are enemies of God. We are by nature those who fight against him and want to get rid of God and his kingdom. They are in our way. And then God comes to us through his ambassadors with a message of peace and comfort. And he invites us through Jesus to come to him and take refuge in him and be forgiven all our sins to put down our pride and put down our weapons against God, put down our hatred toward him and say, yes, God, I am lost. I am evil. I come to you through your son, Jesus. Wash me, make me clean, take me as your child, bring me into your kingdom and give me life forever. Well, how do these people respond to the kindness of God David showed them? They return it with insult, absolute insult. They rejected the kindness of David. They hated Israel. They hated Israel's king. They hated David's ambassadors of peace and comfort, and they exposed them to open shame. What did they do? shaved off half their beards. Or or, or maybe it was this way. I don't know. Shaved off half their beards. Part of being a man of God in Israel, if you look in the book of Exodus or Leviticus, is to let the hair on the sides of your face and your beard grow and not to trim them or cut them. And that showed you to be a man who was devoted to God. A true man of God in Israel. So by shaving off half the beard, they're saying, you're no man. You're no man of God. God rejects you. God hates you. And the other thing they did is they cut off their cloaks, their garments, at the waist. So they were half naked. And then they sent them off. So just imagine this delegation comes to the palace in Ammon, in the capital city. And suddenly they leave. 
their garments half cut off, their beards half shaved off, and they have to walk, parade through the main street of downtown Ammonite headquarters, everybody mocking and jeering and laughing at them. And they got to walk that way till finally they can find a hiding place. And Jesus says, if you show the kindness of God to the world, this is what we should expect. The world to respond with insult. And that we have to be ready to bear reproach for the name of Jesus. As these ambassadors bore reproach for the king of Israel, David, a picture of Jesus. And I wonder, are we ready for that, to take that risk? And I think of Christians around the world right now who are being put on public display for their faith and being publicly shamed for showing the kindness of God to their neighbors and witnessing of Jesus Christ. It's amazing. And that's what's happening here. And we're being challenged to be willing to take that risk. What will they say to us? What will they do to us? I wonder if that conversation was held between David and those men. What's going to happen to us? We got to show the kindness of God. We leave it in his hand. Man. I think of Jesus himself, the greatest ambassador, who came to earth to show the kindness of God to us and offer God's peace and pardon to us. What did we do? Isaiah says we pulled out his beard. And then we took off his clothing. And we crucified him naked. And we put him on public, public display of shame and disgrace. When God showed us the kindness and because Jesus was willing to take the risk of being despised and rejected by the world that he had come to save, we have life because he took that risk. Praise the Lord. And he's challenging you and me. How will we respond to God's Offer of kindness to us in Jesus Christ. Like Hanun and the people of Ammon, be absolutely disgusted with the gospel, reject God and say in our pride, I will not bow down to this man. I don't want Jesus as my king. I have my own life to live. I have my own dreams that I want to fulfill and go our own way. and reject the greatest kindness of all, the only kindness that can save you from your sin and give you life in the kingdom of Christ. Here's a call to accept the invitation that God gives you in his kindness to come to his son this overtures of grace from God to you are real. He will not turn you away. 
And then we see how David, in further kindness, says to his men who have been shamed, stay in Jericho till your beards grow back. And he gave them shelter and protection, as our Lord Jesus does to us when we are shamed for the name of Christ. David, strong and kind. Jesus, strong and kind. Well, secondly, let's see how David and his people are encouraged in God when now battle results from this overture of kindness. Battle results. They go to war against Israel. The act of public shaming by Hanan is really a declaration of war against the kingdom of God. It means from Hanan, he's saying, we want to fight you. We want to destroy and shame your whole nation. We want to put you in your place and rule over you. So the Ammonites gathered their army together at their city, their city gates. But besides that, they hired 33,000 Syrian soldiers from four different cities. And Syria was a much greater nation than the Ammonites. They were only too glad to enter into this coalition with the Ammonites because they also wanted David dead and Israel gone. Well, wisely, David didn't wait for the enemies to come into his territory to fight. No, he gathered his army under Joab, and they went to the Ammonite city to fight them there. And picture this. As the armies of David, of Israel, under the command of Joab, come to the capital city of the Ammonites, where the army of the Ammonites are waiting outside the gate... Suddenly there's an ambush. The whole Syrian army, the 33,000 troops, come up behind them from the hills. And they're sandwiched in between the Ammonites and the Syrians who want to eat them for lunch. Now what? We are so stuck. Israel is a small army. They are no match, especially for the Syrians. Now what? Well, Joab, though not a very godly man, a man of blood who has already killed Abner, he made a very wise decision and he divided his army into two groups, placed one group under the command of Abishai, his brother, to fight the Ammonites, and the stronger group under his own command, Joab's command, to fight the stronger army, the Syrians. And he made a deal. If I need help, you guys come and help us. If you need help, we'll come over and help you. And it turns out nobody needs to help anybody because Joab goes after the Syrians and they flee for the hills and go back home. And as soon as the Ammonites see the Syrians fleeing, they flee back into the city and close the gate. And the army of Israel goes back home. Praise the Lord for victory. But I especially want you to see the confession of faith by Job. Look at verse 12. Be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. So Job is saying, we'll prepare as much as we can. We'll fight as best we can, 
but the outcome belongs to the Lord. And notice this, he doesn't say what the outcome must be. The Lord will give us victory. No, no. The Lord will give us success. No. The Lord will do what seems good to him. Here's instruction for us. Sometimes this is the deal we make with God. I'll step out in courage to fight the good fight. As long as you guarantee me success, it will go well and I'll not get hurt. And the people on the other side will just accept my message with open heart and open hands and say, oh, we've been longing to hear that for a long time. And unless you guarantee me that, I'm not going to step, step out, Lord. That's not faith. That just causes us to cower in a corner because God doesn't promise us it'll go well. Here's the way it is. Be of good courage. Let's be courageous for the people and for the cities of our God. How? By trusting that the Lord will do what's good. He'll do the right thing. And whatever that thing is, is okay. I know what I want it to be, but whatever it is, that's okay. And when we know the Lord is on our side and will do what's good for his glory and the coming of his kingdom, whatever that good might be, that's when we can step out and put our lives at risk and say, it's okay, Lord. I offer my body to you as a living sacrifice. Even as the Apostle Paul said, I just want Christ to be exalted in my body, whether by my life or by my death. I just know that somehow he's going to use me to bring the gospel to the imperial guard at Rome and to the ends of the earth. Yeah. And God exalted Christ's name through Paul's death. Be of good courage, brothers and sisters. For the sake of the people of God, those around you who, who need to be encouraged, and the cities of our God, because when they see you step out in faith, trusting that the Lord will do what is good, what seems good to him, they'll be encouraged to know and to see that our lives and God's kingdom and God's church is in the hands of a great God who will always do what is good and right because Christ has assured us of final victory. Final victory, no matter what the short term holds. Now, you put that in your own life right now. You're being called to step out and courage, do is right in your trial, your circumstance. You're called to stand up for Jesus. And if you think, I'm only going to do it if it's not going to hurt, if I'm going to be successful, you're not going to dare. But if you can say, I'm going to step out because I know the Lord is going to use me to do what is good, what is pleasing, what brings his kingdom, we're free. We're free to go out and serve the Lord. Our Lord Jesus himself died because of this. He entrusted his life to God 
knowing that God would do what seems good to him through his sacrifice. And God did a great thing even though it killed Jesus. What did he do? He purchased the forgiveness of sins for the world. He purchased the riches of the kingdom of God for the world so that whoever believes in Jesus, you enter into this forgiveness and life. Let's be encouraged in God as David was and as our Lord was to go out knowing that the victory is sure even though in this moment I might have to die. I might have to suffer. I likely will have to suffer. Our Lord Jesus won the fight by dying. So here is Israel, totally outnumbered, totally outmaneuvered by Ammon and Syria. They step out in courage to fight the good fight of the faith because this is what David is called to do. And God does what seems good to him. He sends everybody packing. And Israel goes home. And they're spared by the grace of God, by the power, by the goodness of God. Well, we see thirdly then they are victorious by faith. And in very condensed language, two major battles are described here. In the first battle, God gives Israel a decisive victory as Joab goes to war and Abishai goes to war. The Syrians go home, the Ammonites go home. But it's not over. Because Syria is so upset and ashamed that they've been defeated by little Israel, they can't handle it. If such a hatred for God's anointed one and for God that they come back now with a huge army gathered from all over the cities of Syria including beyond the Euphrates now we have 40,000 horsemen or, and 700 chariots and, and Israel has nothing of the sort Those are like the the tanks and the fighter jets of of those ancient times. State-of-the-art military equipment. Verse 16, they came to Helam with Shobach, the commander of the army of Hadadezer, at their head. And verse 17, the Syrians arrayed themselves against David and fought with him, and David destroyed them. 40,000 horsemen, 700 chariot drivers. In the courage of faith, they step forward again. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, congregation, says John, even our faith. 
And it reminds me of God's glory in Psalm 2, where the nations rage and kingdoms conspire together to take out God and his anointed king. But God who sits in the heavens laughs and he holds them in derision. And then it says in Psalm 2, he speaks to them in his wrath and terrifies them in his fury, saying, as for me, I've set my king on Zion, my holy hill. And in a greater way, we celebrate that on Ascension Day. I've set my king on Zion, my holy hill. The kingdoms of this earth are securely in his hand. He rules the nations and you cannot take it from him. And we have that same safety. Knowing that our king is not only kind, but like David, our king is strong. Strong with the strength of the Lord. So Jesus says, I know my sheep, they will never perish. No one can snatch them from my hand. Wow. What safety. Our King Jesus is kind to come to us and save us, but he's also strong to protect all those who come to him and and give them refuge. But watch out. The king's strength can also be terrifying. Psalm 2, kiss the sun, lest his anger burn against you and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. You take refuge in him, his strength will cover you and hold you. He comes to you in his kindness. You take refuge in him, his strength will take you and hold you and equip you and strengthen you, and help you, encourage you all the way to glory. But if you repel his invitation, you repel his kindness, and you say, I don't want you, then his strength will be turned against you and destroy you. God's king extending grace to those who are outside of the kingdom of God here. And he extends mercy to everyone to have peace with him through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he invites us to come to his son to be forgiven, to be washed whiter than snow and to enter his kingdom. Don't keep refusing his offer. Don't keep insulting the son of God by holding on to your pride and refusing to give your life to him. And you may have all kinds of excuses for not not giving your life to God. I'm not ready for God. I have other commitments I need to keep first. I'm angry with God because he hurt me. I don't have time for God. I'm just not into God. But all those excuses are rejection. They're pride. They're fighting against God. If you want to hold on to yourself, and those who fight against him cannot win. You cannot win. Jesus, strong and kind. Come to him for the first time, for the thousandth time.
come to him and you will find in him everything you need for forgiveness, but also for courage to fight the good fight because his love and his strength are fully sufficient for your every need. All the nations have been given to Jesus. May God move us to embrace his offer of life and move us with the same compassion to show and tell Jesus to others. Jesus, strong and kind. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for coming to us in Jesus Christ, your son, and offering peace and pardon through the blood of the cross to a world gone crazy, a world that hates you, a world that is your enemy. And thank you for being willing to receive us through Christ, your son. Give us faith to come to you, but also courage to show your kindness to others who do not know you. And so build your kingdom through your son and use us as his ambassadors, even be willing, being willing to bear reproach for the sake of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.